Welcome to the LifeSpring Church Podcast. May the Word of God be a blessing to you. Connect with us and consider giving online at lifespringchurch.us. There are many notable miracles that Jesus performed during his earthly ministry. If you've studied the life of Jesus and the ministry of Jesus, you find miracle after miracle after miracle. And just so you know, Jesus wasn't just always walking around doing miracles. There was life between the miracles. These are just the things that were recorded. And many of them are notable miracles. His first miracle was turning water into wine. These are the incredible miracles where he would make mud balls and put it on people's eyes and they'd receive sight. He'd tell people who were lame in their body or sick in their body to take up their bed and walk and they would be healed. Jesus was doing the miraculous. There's one miracle that stands out because the miracle involved more than just Jesus. This miracle involved the disciple who had to place complete confidence in Jesus Christ. And this disciple had to commit to the call of God in their life. And when this disciple, Peter, answered Christ's call to him, he leaves the boat and steps onto the water. What an incredible miracle. Now Jesus is walking on water and Peter is walking on water. When we commit ourselves with total abandonment to our own will, can I tell you this morning, the miraculous is possible. The miraculous is possible. You can step out of the boat and you can begin to tread over the turbulent waters of life and the miraculous will happen and we will find ourselves walking on water. And that's the topic I want to talk to us today, walking on water. If you have your Bibles, I have a few passages I want to read to us. Let's read Matthew chapter 14. We'll start at verse 25. Matthew chapter 14 and verse 25. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit. And they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I. Be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid and began to sink. He cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith. Wherefore did thou, didst thou doubt? And when they were coming to the ship, the wind ceased, and they that were in the ship came and worshipped, saying, Of a truth, thou art the Son of God. Let's quickly jump to the book of Mark, chapter 10, verses 27 through 30. And Jesus, looking unto them, saith, With man it is impossible but not with God. For with God, all things are possible. Look at your neighbor and say, all things are possible. All things are possible. Then Peter 
began to say unto him, Lo, we have left all and have followed thee. And Jesus answered and said, Verily I say unto thee, There is no man that hath left house or brother or sister or father or mother or wife or children or land for my sake and the gospels. But he shall receive a hundredfold in this time houses and brethren and sisters and mothers and children, lands with persecutions, and in the world to come, eternal life. And I got one more passage. Joshua chapter 24, verses 14 and 15. Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in truth. And put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt and serve ye the Lord. And if it seem evil unto you to serve ye the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You can be seated. Thank you. This morning for standing in respect to God's word. What an incredible story, the story of disciples in the middle of the sea seeing Jesus come walking on the water. If you're familiar with this passage or with this story, you'll know that Jesus had just fed the 5,000. And if you take the, the writings of Matthew and the writings of John and you put those two stories together, you see that Jesus is being swarmed, I guess is the, the right word, by the multitude because he just did an incredible miracle. He fed 5,000 with just a little bit. And that was just the men. They didn't even count the women and children. And so they are coming to him, and, and they are about to take him and, and move him into a place of royalty. There's such a magnitude of people, a mob of people following him, that they're about to raise him up to be king. The story in John says that because of this rush of people to, to lift him up to be king, he separated himself from the crowd and went up into the mountain to be alone. And Jesus went to the mountain, and he told his disciples to go across the sea and go to Capernaum. So they get in the boat, and these men are not unfamiliar with the boat. They're fishermen by trade. So as the sun is setting in the dusk of the night, they begin to sail across the sea. And then as the fourth watch of the night comes, I don't know if you're familiar with the Jewish clock or Jewish time, but from sun up to sun down was hours, and once the sun set every Four hours was a watch. So in the fourth watch, this is actually super early in the morning the next day. Jesus comes walking on the water, but it's not just that he's walking on the water. It's because there's a storm brewing in the sea, and the, the boat is being tossed to and fro, and the disciples are already a bit fearful because the wind is blowing. And, and then they look out across the ocean, and they, or the sea, and they, they see a figure walking through the haze of the, the waves that are spraying and they become very afraid. And Jesus, knowing, says, Be of good cheer. It is I. Be not afraid. The disciples are afraid because they see a figure coming across the water. Do you know in the midst of your turbulence, Jesus will come to you? 
If you're looking for help, if you're hungry for God, He will find you. It doesn't matter how strong the wind is blowing in your life. It doesn't matter how big the waves are. It doesn't matter how much the the violence of the ocean is in your life. If the waters are turbulent in your life, just hold on and keep looking over the bow. Keep your hope up. Keep your faith up. Jesus is there with you. He may seem to be a distance off. He may seem to be far away. You may have thought you left him on the shore when you began your journey, but Jesus didn't leave you. Jesus is with you. For we have a friend who sticketh closer than a brother. He said he would never leave us nor forsake us. He is always by your side. We sing the song, even when I don't see it, he's still working. Even when I don't feel it, he's still working. The disciples toiling with a storm in the middle of the night, in the midst of their ship, in the middle of the sea, thinking that it's all over with. And the whole time, Jesus is leaving the mountain. I think I'm going to take a walk. He just walks right out on the beach, walks right out into the water, and just keeps right on walking right towards the disciples. Your storm doesn't impact Jesus. It may impact your family. It may impact you. The waves may ripple for generations. But it doesn't impact Jesus or his power or his ability to minister into your life. It doesn't matter how turbulent the winds and the wave are. Jesus can still come to you. And if you'll let his words speak to you, he will bring peace to your fear. Be of good cheer. It is I. Be not afraid. Peace is only possible if you will believe it. You have to believe it. If if I told you this morning that in the back of my truck was $10 million for you, you could sit here and you could be excited about the promise of $10 million. But if you really believed it, you wouldn't listen to the rest of this sermon. You would be outside in the parking lot already, digging into the back of my truck. Whatever he's got to say can wait. I'm going for the money. Because when you believe it, you act upon it. And if we believe the word of God, then we'll release our fear and we'll grab a hold of faith. When God says in the middle of your storm, be of good cheer. That means we lay down the fear, we pick up hope and promise, we grab a hold of the words of the master, and we say, if Jesus said it's okay, then it's going to be okay. If Jesus said he's going to go with us, then we's going to go with us. Actually, your fear becomes the avenue for the miraculous in your life. When we accept that Jesus is not impacted by the storm, then our fear turns to faith, and your faith says it is possible. This thing which seemed impossible has now become possible. To the disciples, it was impossible to get to Capernaum. To the disciples, it was impossible that a man could be walking on the water. But when you figure out it's Jesus 
and you accept his words and you let his peace flood into your heart. You are no longer consumed by the chaos, but you are now focused on the master, the controller of the wind and the rain, the creator of all that is. And when he says it's okay, it's okay. It makes me wonder, and I guess it's because they were human, and maybe we would have been the same way. But is this not the same Jesus walking across the the Sea of Galilee that had one time been asleep in the same boat? I see similarities in the story. The waves are coming. Well, the first similarity is, can these guys not figure out where a storm is? Keep it in the dark until the storm blows over, guys. But here he is sleeping in the back of the boat. And again, the wind's blowing and the storm's raging and the waves are crashing. And they go and wake him up. Hey, master, aren't you afraid we're going to all die? And that Jesus walks to the bow of the ship and says, peace be still. And immediately creation responds to the creator. That's the same Jesus walking across the water. So when he says, be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. I think their conscience and their remembrance goes back to, oh, that's Jesus. And I I remember when he spoke, peace be still. It's going to be all right, guys. It's going to be okay. Jesus is here. Our faith is encouraged. What seemed to be impossible is now possible. Mark 10 and 27 Jesus is teaching and he looks at all of them and he says, with man it is impossible, but not with God. For with God, all things are possible. I think Bible language is intentional. It didn't say, for by God, all things are possible. It didn't say because of God, all things are possible. It says for with God, all things are possible. Here's what this tells me. I'm still going to go through the storm, but I'm going to have somebody with me. I'm still going to face the rain, but God's going to be with me. I'm still going to be facing what seems to be impossible, but because now I have a companion in my boat traveling with me, we'll be able to make it through the storm. We'll be able to do the impossible with God on our side. So my admonition to you today is don't abandon God in the middle of your storm. Bring God on board and take him with you. Because with God, you can do all things. To man, the storm seems impossible. In this life, addiction seems impossible to break. Hurt seems impossible to be healed. Sin seems impossible that it could ever be forgiven. The weights of this world seem impossible to carry and even at times to overcome. But with God, all things are possible. With God, we find out that an impossible addiction is overcome. On our own, our hurt is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. On our own, sin is impossible. But with God, 
on our own. The weights of life and the burdens of life are impossible. But if we'll lay down our burden and we'll pick up his burden, he said he would give us rest. On our own, the storms of life seem impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Oh, but you don't know what I'm going through. God does. And there's no carve out. There's no exceptions. You can go back and read it in Matthew, where we were reading the verse of Scripture, or Mark, excuse me, Mark chapter 10. You can go back and read it. There's nowhere in that passage where Jesus says, all things are possible except for, read the fine print at the bottom, the asterisks. And then he has a whole list of all the things that are still impossible. It doesn't exist. All means all. God's not into the, the wonky marketing of his word. He doesn't have to be. God doesn't have to sell himself to us. Because he is. He is. He said, I am the I am. And that's it. He's the supreme. He's the ultimate. I've seen a post on social media, I don't know, sometime in the last few weeks. Somebody's holding a can of WD-40. And at the bottom of the can, it says 300 milliliters. Pretty good sized can. But they're holding a can next to it. And this can at the bottom says 275 milliliters. But the difference is on the 275 milliliter can, which is the same size as the 300 milliliter can, it says 25 milliliters, no, 75 milliliters extra, free, bonus. What? It's a marketing deploy. It's the same can, went to the same factory, they put the same amount in it, they just want to sell it to you. So they'll say, you get more. Went to the store, it'd be on the same shelf for the same price. That's not how God works. God's not trying to give you a marketing trick. God's not in the propaganda to help you believe His word. He is who He is, and He says what He says, and He is true. And so when God says all things is possible with Him, all things are possible with Him, then all things are possible. The story of Jesus walking on the water doesn't end with just the disciples recognizing him in the distance. There's more to the story. The storm was greater in its purpose than just revealing who Jesus was and that Jesus was with them. And we have to understand that sometimes. The storms of our life are greater than just a revelation that Jesus is here. And we need that at times, from time to time. There are times in life where we're in the midst of chaos and, and trouble, and it just seems like everything is swirling around us, and we need to see that Jesus is with us, and he reveals himself, and we rejoice that he is with us. But that's not the end of the experience. The storm had a greater purpose. The storm became part of the story. And your struggle is part of your story. 
It's just the first chapter of your story. Well, preacher, I don't like where this is going. You mean there's more to it than just struggling? Hold on. Every good story has a resolution to the conflict. Peter wasn't just satisfied seeing Jesus. Peter wanted proof that it was Jesus. So, Peter says, hey, if it's really you out there, how about you tell me to come out to you? Don't get ahead of the story. Put yourself on a boat, standing next to Peter, and he just yells some stupid comment out over the bow of the ship. Hey, if it's really you out there, how about you call me to come out there with you? Are you kidding me, Peter? What did you just say? How about if it's really you, come and get in the boat with us? And so what does Jesus do? Come on. Come. Join me. Come on out, Peter. You got to understand, walking on the water was not Jesus' idea. It was Peter's idea. How big is your vision of God? How big is your faith in God? Jesus didn't say to Peter, here I am. Hey, Peter, how about you come on out here and I'll show you who I really am. It was Peter's idea. If it's really you, Lord, have me come out there. I wonder if God was like, yes. This is going to be awesome. Come on, Peter. And here comes Peter. It takes somebody like Peter to do this. Peter begins to climb out of the boat. Oh, no, no, I, I really believe it's you now. Yeah, we're good. I heard your voice again. And, yep, definitely you, Jesus. No, no, no. Peter swings a leg up on the bow, pushes himself up, swings his other leg over. He's hanging on the side. Then he lets go. And he's standing on the water. Faith says, if God is here, I want to be near to him. Faith says, I see you, but I want more than just to see you. I want to feel you. Faith says, what I see must be confirmed by what I do. Just because you believe it doesn't make it so. It becomes so because I believe it enough to be obedient to it. 2 Corinthians 5 tells us that we walk by faith and not by sight. And maybe Peter was a living example of this. Just because I see you, Jesus, and just because I hear you, Jesus, that's not enough. My faith is encouraged. You've settled my fear. I have peace. My faith is exploding. I'm going to come out there to you. You see, true disciples of Jesus Christ are committed to more than just what they see in living for God. They're committed to the promise of living for God. They're committed to the hope of living for God. They're committed to the faith of living for God. 
Well, I don't know if God can ever, ever touch that family member of mine. Have faith. If you've prayed about it and you've put it in the hands of God, keep praying about it and believe that God's going to touch their life. It may take a year. It may take 10 years. It may take 50 years. But let God work in the way that God wants to work. And you keep praying and you keep walking on water and you keep letting God do what only he can do. Well, I have this struggle in my life. I have this hurt. I have this pain in my in my spirit and in my soul. I have this brokenness in my emotions and, and I've just never been able to overcome it. Hey, give it to Jesus. Give it to Jesus. It seems impossible to you. And you can see Jesus and, you, and you've watched him heal others of their brokenness and you've watched him heal others of their pain and the, and the hurts in their lives and you say, but I don't know if God could heal mine. Let me tell you, he can heal you. He can recover you. He can make you whole again. Don't just stand in the boat and watch other people get their miracle. Step out of the boat. Let your faith explode. And begin to walk on the water. Jesus says, come. Simple, straightforward answer. Again, there's no prerequisites. There's no terms and conditions that have to be signed. They have these places you can go to and you can jump around, you can get in the ball pit, you can ride on the hand glider things, you can climb walls, you can get in a rope maze. And they're more than happy to take your money and you begin to give them your money. But before they give you the pass, you have to sign a disclaimer. It says, if I fall down and break my leg, it's my fault, not yours. No disclaimers. Jesus wasn't like, come, but before you come, make sure you sign the disclaimer that says if you drown, it's not my fault. No. God doesn't need disclaimers. God doesn't need plan B. God doesn't need another option. God doesn't need liability removed from him. If Jesus says, come to me, then simply all you have to do is step out of the boat and begin to walk towards Jesus and everything's going to be all right. When Peter makes the declaration, if it's really you, then ask me to come. Peter is demonstrating his intentions to obey whatever Christ Speaks to him. Maybe this is a challenge to, to us who have been living for God for a little bit. Maybe we become comfortable from time to time seeing God work and seeing God move. And, and it just becomes part of the normal and part of the expected. But we're not involved in it. We become a spectator of seeing God do all the miraculous in other people's lives. And we hold on to our storm. We have intention. Oh, I, I know if I'll give this to God, he can take care of it. But I don't know enough to give it to God and let him take care of it. 
you know what? Next Sunday, next Sunday, next Sunday I'm going to give this to God. Next Sunday I'm going to go to the altar. I'm just going to lay it on the altar. I'm just going to give this all. I'm tired of carrying this, but I think I can do it one more week. Next Sunday I'll give it to God. And next Sunday turns into next Sunday, which turns into next Sunday. And before long we've become accustomed to carrying the weight and the pain and the heartache. And it just becomes... It becomes our living sacrifice. That's not the living sacrifice he's talking about. The living sacrifice is not the extra burden and weight that we have to carry and drag through life. From a past, from hurts and heartaches, troubles. But when Jesus replied, it took more than intention from Peter to leave the boat. It took commitment. Commitment that says, my, commit, my promise to God is going to be fulfilled. I said, if it's really you, call me to come to you. And Jesus did. And so commitment is greater than intention. The result of intention is desire. The result of commitment is action. Intention without commitment is simply a mental exercise in what is possible. It is believing the miraculous is possible, but not seeing the miraculous happen. With commitment, the thought is transformed into action. With God, the potential for a miracle becomes a miracle. Seeing Jesus in your storm and knowing he is there for you brings consolation. Intending to go out to him if he would call you to come to him is great faith. But how much faith and commitment does it take when Jesus says, go ahead, step out of the boat and come out here to me? That's commitment. That says, all right, Lord, I'm going to give everything to you. Seeing you in the storm has consoled me. Seeing you in the storm has brought peace to me. But this is more than just about my peace. This is about my story and how you're going to heal me and recover me and make me whole. This is about getting closer to you in my walk. So let me ask you, what would happen if we left the boat of fear and doubt and we started walking on water? What would happen? If we confessed our sins to Jesus Christ, made a commitment to walk away from them. And all things that were involved in sinning. The Bible tells us if we're obedient to the gospel, he will make us a new creature in Christ. He says if we'll confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us. From all unrighteousness. So if we'll bow our knee in, a, in an act of repentance. And we'll confess our sin to God. And we'll commit to living a new life to him. His grace and mercy will sweep over us. If you've never been baptized. If you get baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. For the remission of your sins. When you go into that watery grave. And you come out. Your entire past is washed away. There is no longer a trail following behind you. The record book has been cleaned. You have been purified. And we become empowered, according to Acts chapter 1 and 8. We become empowered by the infilling of his spirit. What would happen if we laid our addictions on the altar and surrendered control of our lives to Jesus Christ? I'll tell you what would happen. The miraculous will happen, we'll begin walking on water.
what to man seems impossible, with God is possible. Joshua chapter 24, the children of Israel are getting ready to possess the promised land. You're familiar, right? They're slaves in Egypt. God delivers them. Brings them to the Red Sea, the flood. Takes them through the Red Sea on dry ground. Destroys the army coming behind them to to recapture them in the midst of the sea. Provides for them water out of the rock. Takes them directly to the promised land. And their forefathers can't get past the problems to possess the promise. And so now they spend 40 years wandering in the wilderness waiting for unbelief to die off. And they've come back together and Joshua is facing a critical moment with the children of Israel. This wilderness journey is about to come to an end. They're about to approach the promised land and they're about to possess the promised land. In Joshua 24 and 15 he says, choose you this day who you will serve. Whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood. Or the God of the Amorites in whose land we dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You see, before they could possess the promised land, the land that the prophet said flows with milk and honey, the land that was promised to them, there would be vineyards that you would harvest that you didn't plant. There would be houses to live in that you didn't even build. Before the possession of this promise could take place, there had to be a choice made by the children of Israel. And so Joshua calls them together and he presents them with three options. Option number one, you can serve the gods of your fathers from way back on the other side of the flood. The ones who didn't believe God could take us into the promised land, but they believed that the giants were bigger than us. You can serve their gods. Or you can serve the gods of the Amorites in whose land we're in right now. Or you can serve the Lord. For each of us, there comes a time that we must make a choice. We must make a commitment in our hearts and in our lives. And I think at the beginning of the year is a good time to make a fresh commitment. We commit to the gods. We can commit either to serve the gods of the past the gods of the present, or the God of eternity. We can choose to serve the gods that have always let us down and always failed us in the past. The gods of this world, the gods of this this life that have come into our lives and, and we've worshipped them and we've honored them and we've done obeisance to them and we've gave sacrifice to them and they've never fulfilled because they're worldly gods, they're idols and they, they, they fall short of fulfilling the promises to us. They don't fulfill us in life. That's how we were ended up at a dead-end road we were in when Jesus found us, the gods of our past. Or we can serve the gods of this world right now. Woke culture, individual freedoms, without regard to others. I'll not go on. 
We could serve the gods of this world today, the God of self, the God of me, the God of I, the idol of numeral one. Or we can make a commitment in our heart to, and choose to serve the Lord, the God of eternity. You see, the gods in the past and the present have never met expectation. There is no miracle that has happened because of the gods of the past or the gods of the present. The gods of the past couldn't even survive the flood. And if they can't survive the flood, how are they going to help you walk on water? But the Lord, this Hebrew word for Lord is Yahweh. It means Jehovah, the self-existent one, the eternal one, also known as God Almighty. He is the only one that does the miraculous. He is the only one that has brought us out of the bondage of sin. He is the only one that passed us through the flood and saved our lives. He's the only one that has led us, stayed with us, and provided for us. He's the only one that's fulfilled all of his promises to us. Man, I'm excited about choosing today. I will serve the Lord, my God. Would you stand with me this morning? I will serve the Lord whose promises are true. I will serve the Lord whose promises never fail us. As this new year is starting, let us commit. Let us make a fresh commitment to the Lord. I'll step out of the boat. I'll walk on the water. Did you know you can walk on water? With Jesus, all things are possible. You don't have to begin 2023 carrying forward the storms of 2022. You can let the storms of 2022 remain in the past. And you can set a new course today. You can set a new direction today. You can bring out your compass and you can head towards Jesus. He will make the difference in your life today. Thank you for listening to the LifeSpring Church Podcast. Join us in person on Sundays at 11 a.m. Visit us online at lifespringchurch.us.